Hi, this is Jason, lead pastor at Casper Alliance Church. Thanks for listening to our weekly teaching from our Sunday morning worship gathering. This week at Casper Alliance Church, uh, we had one of our key leaders, Chris, share. Hope you enjoy it. This is the fifth week of working through our series on eternity. If you'd like to know more about Casper Alliance Church, you can check us out at casperchurch.com or you can go to your app store on your phone or your device, uh, search for Casper Alliance Church, download the app with double C's and you'll connect with us there. Have a great week. <laughs> uh, I, I know Jason prayed, but let's go ahead and bow our heads and pray one more time. Very simply, just God... Help us make room for you this morning in the sermon. Just whatever you have to speak to each of us. Help us make room for it, God. Amen. We've been talking about eternity. Specifically, Jason's been mostly targeting heaven. Last week, he talked about hell. Uh, in that series, today's kind of like a spinoff from that series, like a one-episode spinoff. we we'll be talking about heaven on earth. Um, you want to put that first slide up there, Flint? So that's my family. And for those of you that are not familiar with us, yes, there are six kids there. Uh, <laughs> when people first hear that we have six kids, I've, I've actually heard all sorts of speculation about why. Everywhere from tax breaks to, to Mormonism. Um, the, the truth is there's a good reason why we have six kids. Um, about a year after we were married, we were in a transition time with churches. We were looking for a new church, traveling around. Hannah and I went to the church that we thought we were gonna end up at because we both had a history with the pastor there. We were comfortable, familiar with them, we liked it. So we went to church there that morning. Uh, two things happened in that service. One, both Hannah and I felt like this was just not the place for us. Couldn't tell you why exactly, but it just wasn't. The other thing that happened was there was a question that came to my mind that if I'm ever to say God ever speaks to me, that was one of those times. And it was a question regarding children. Because at the time we had no kids, and there was talk about how, much, how many kids we were going to have. Uh, I wanted two because that's what I was used to. Hannah wanted four, and you can see how the math worked out there. <laughs> but there's a question that came to my mind. It was, do you trust me? That was a very important question to me because at the time I was making $8.25 an hour and I didn't know how I was going to support the two of us, let alone however many kids that we were going to have. That question is still on my mind today. Um, but it hit me. God was like, do you trust me? If you've ever had God ask you that question, there's really only one answer to that. And the way I answered it was, I'm not going to control this situation. God wants me to leave it in his hands. I still wrestle with money stress, but I have not regretted that decision one day. So I showed that slide because I wanted to see the results of a very faith-based activity. That was that is a result of just complete and utter faith. This next slide, go ahead and put it up, Flint. This is the process of us building our house. Some of you guys were with us during that. This was a lot of planning, a lot of strategy, a lot of work, a lot of effort. I think we spent over a year with Zach planning it out. A lot of you guys were with us in this process because we put hands on this project, building it. I see Luke shaking his head over there a little bit. I don't know if you remember some of the, some of the stuff going on there. But yeah, that, those are pictures of it. Pain. pain, lots of pain. I put that, the bottom right picture is the, 
the fingers of the trenches of our septic system outside. So I put that there because that was one of the days I remember. Uh, I had an excavator out there digging that, but I was the one with the shovel shaping it and grading it in the snow, in the cold, in the mud. It was a day I'll never forget. And that picture reminds me of just how hard, how much effort, how much planning went into that project. So the first slide was my family, completely faith. This slide was a lot of work, a lot of effort, and the results of that. Okay? So you need to keep those two things in mind as we look at this next slide. <clears throat> Some of you have seen this picture. This was a tornado that came by Casper roughly a month ago. This was a picture taken over Clark's Corner subdivision, which is where I live. Go ahead and go to the next slide there, Flint. That is my house. <laughs> Had a couple kids in camp when this picture was taken, but a large part of my family was there. In the blink of an eye, everything I've worked so hard to build by faith, by work, could have been taken from me very easily. We can't stop that. <sighs> Sometimes I think we we can really easily sum up the experience of life as the watching out for tornadoes. We're just constantly looking at the horizon, watching the tornadoes, and planning, and strategizing, and working, and putting faith in. It's like, where is the next tornado coming, and how do we deal with it? And so much of life really is about us dealing with the tornadoes. Sometimes we can boil down even the Christian life to surviving the tornadoes until we get to heaven. You ever feel like that sometimes? Because in heaven, there are no tornadoes. But we can turn heaven into a place where no bad things happen. And I think that's true. But that's not what makes it heaven. Heaven is not heaven because of the absence of bad things. Heaven is heaven because of the presence of God in Jesus Christ. It's the experience of having a relationship with him without the distraction of the tornadoes. But there is an experience of heaven on earth that we get the privilege of indulging in. It is the relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Go to that next slide, Flint. So John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Amen. Heaven on earth. Now, that opportunity exists today. Sure, the context we live in is the world, which includes all sorts of tornadoes in it. But the God we serve is the same no matter what the context. He's not different here than he is in heaven. And we miss the opportunity to enjoy him because of the distractions of the world, namely sin and tornadoes. But Jesus has not only conquered sin, he's actually conquered the tornadoes as well. That next slide, Flint. John 16, 33. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. When the world watches for tornadoes, it consumes them. It becomes their life ambition to control the conditions of the tornadoes. And there are many tornadoes to watch out for. There's financial security, 
But thank goodness we have safe investments to handle that. There's freedom, but thank goodness we have good laws to handle that. There's love. Thank goodness we have Tinder for that. There's health. Thank goodness we have supplements, drugs, and home workout gyms to handle that. Then there's my own personal tornado, purpose. But thank goodness I have a sophisticated marketing approach to help me make sure the world is very aware of just how good I am and how much they need my services. We have an answer for almost every tornado in life, every tornado on the horizon, and yet we still live under the stress of them. But Jesus said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. Because we get distracted by the tornadoes, we miss the opportunity to experience heaven on earth. The knowledge of God gained by a life filled with faith in him. I'm not talking about a life with no responsibilities, but no wisdom and no concerns. I'm talking about a life so consumed with eternal thinking, with kingdom presence, that you know what are God's responsibilities and what are yours, what are his burdens and what are yours. I'm afraid we burden ourselves with more than what God intends. We take on the concerns that are his, and we miss the most important concern of the heavenly experience his presence. If I were to stand up here today and give a testimony to your faith, if I were to go and talk to you and say, what do you want me to tell the congregation about your faith? I have no doubt it has something to do with I put my faith in God and in Jesus. He's the security of my life. He's who I trust in. And all that would be true. But what if I were to follow you around for the next week? What if I were to pay attention to how you deal with problems in life? What if I were to pay attention to how often you saturate your mind with the scriptures to, to know, because you know that that's where your source of strength and peace and joy comes from? What if I were to pay attention to how often you actually pray to God in your life? What if I were to pay attention to the words that come out of your mouth when struggles and strife hit? Would I still testify to that same faith for you? The tornadoes in this life distract us from the real gift of heaven. But of course, we have concerns in this world. That's why we work so hard. But is that really the reason God wants us working? To make sure the tornadoes don't get us? Heavenly-minded people work for different motivation than worldly-minded people. Worldly-minded people are motivated by the stress of the tornadoes. Heavenly-minded people work with the joy of being part of God's plan because they are investing in their relationship with God instead of being afraid of the tornadoes, they know when to fish and when to God, let God multiply the fish. They know that this is a partnership where God provides the manna and we go out and do the work of gathering it. Their work is not motivated by the tornadoes, which leads to stress, depression, anxiety, and constant fear of failure but is motivated by the love of God, which leads to joy, peace, love, and eternal life. I just finished reading a book, a biography, about a man named Hudson Taylor. Some of you guys might know him. He was key to opening up the missionary experience in China. 
he went through a lot of hard things. One of the stories that really stuck out to me was um, when him and a group of missionaries were traveling to the little towns, they would hire locals to haul their bedrolls, their backpacks, their money, and stuff like that. It's just one of the things that you did there. So they would hire a bunch of people to, to haul that stuff while they went from town to town, city to city. Well, one of these trips, they were dead tired. They were just so exhausted, they could hardly go on. They knew they were slowing down the entire deal. So they paused, they, they told the, the, the people that they hired to go on ahead to the city and procure them a place to sleep for the night. And then when they got there, they would get there. Well, by the time they got there, the person who was carrying Hudson Taylor's stuff was gone. He had taken off. I'm probably missing some of the details of the story, but the gist of it is true. So Hudson Taylor now spent the next, I don't know how many weeks or even months, going from town to town looking for where his stuff was, trying to track down this guy who had stolen his things, wanting justice for what had happened, but also wanting his bed and his money. Now, back then in China, if you didn't have money, you weren't you know, getting a place to sleep. Not many people really wanted to take him into their home because he was a white American, and it just didn't set well with them. So he found himself sleeping on the streets a lot. And there was a lot of poor people, a lot of beggars, and what they would do is they would circle around you almost like vultures, waiting for the moment you're vulnerable, and they would hurt you and rob you. And so constantly he was in fear of being robbed and being taken advantage of. And he spent many, many weeks like this, looking for his stuff, wanting justice, and in fear of almost his life. And it just got to him until one day, one of these poor people were kind of circling around him, and he just got up and lit into him. I don't mean physically, I mean verbally and emotionally, just let him have it. All of his frustration, all of his anger just kind of came out right there. After you read this guy's account of his life, and then you read this moment right here, like, whoa, what just happened? Who is this guy? He was so concerned with his stuff and being taken care of. And, and after he kind of stopped his verbal harassment of this guy, he took a moment, I think he sat down, and he was convicted. He was convicted that this man was one of the very men he came to save. And here he was lashing out against him because he was so concerned with his stuff with his security, with his comfort. And this is not a man who was used to being comfortable. And he asked God to forgive him. And he said, God, from now on, I trust in you. You are going to be my provision. You are going to be my security. I am here because you have called me to a mission, a focus, to preach the gospel, and that's what I'm doing. So the next day he got up, forgiven this man, not looking for his stuff, determined that he was just going to preach the gospel, saw a group of people over beyond the way, started to walk towards them, didn't even make it. I don't know if he made it halfway. Fell down flat from exhaustion, passed out. His body was so overcome with heat and exhaustion and hunger, he just laid out probably for hours. Finally, one of the locals revived him and for no explainable reason, because this was not the culture, helped procure him a boat to get him to reconnect with his other people that he could get home finally. I just wonder what kind of life is that? This is not an easy life. But it, his, his concerns, his focus, when we're worried about the things the world tells us to be worried about, when we're worried about the tornadoes, we get distracted and we lose sight of what God wants us to do. And that is where heaven is experienced in being about the work God has for us. Because then he takes care of his side of things. I'm famous for short sermons. I'm going to have the worship team come up. Now I'm going to close with this.
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus says, and all these things will be added unto you. That doesn't mean the tornadoes won't touch down sometimes. Look at Job. But it does mean that tornadoes are in God's hands, and we can have the peace in those results. Heaven on earth. Thank you.